Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. And welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin, and today from the Brainwaves team we have Terry who will be interviewing our guest today, Ruth. Ruth is a family violence and social justice campaigner and advocate and Ruth is here today to talk about her lived experience of surviving family violence including image-based abuse and multiple forms of systemic and legal abuse. Ruth is committed to being a part of the change to improve safety and support for women and children who are leaving or who have left violent or abusive relationships. And just a content warning about today's show, we will be discussing family violence, so if you feel that this is, uh, content may be distressing, please tune out now. And should you need support after listening to today's show, then please know that you can contact Lifeline on 13114. Now, before we get started today, uh, Ruth has kindly offered to do an acknowledgement of country. So, Ruth, I'm going to hand it over to you now. Okay, I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where we now stand and recognise that these have always been places of teaching and learning. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and recognise the important role Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people continue to play within our community. Thank you very much and welcome to Brainwave program and thank you to agreeing to an interview regarding the long-term mental health consequences of the some of the dispute resolution processes uh, at the Family Law Court. So can you tell us about your experience of the Family Court and its impact on your long-term well-being? Um, in brief, I would describe it as horrendous an extension of the abuse and nothing about the best interest of the child. The long-term impacts of the, um, my experience is, um, it is it destroys you both financially and emotionally. So it's a constant, um, you know, looking after yourself and your mental health is a constant ongoing battle, if you like, yeah. I'm very, very, very sad to hear that. That's appalling. Yeah. Um, so um, what did you do to help you for healing from that experience? Um, one of the best things I think I did, um, and I only, you know, at the beginning I felt really isolated. How long ago was it? How recent? Oh, um, eight years ago is right. when it started and it's not stopped. Okay, it's not stopped because perpetrators are not held to account in this country. Uh, the system is, um, it really enables them, quite frankly. Mm. Um, and it doesn't really, it's so, um, it's not just the family law court, it's all the other systems that work around it and all with it. So um, 
yeah, it's just a, um, a constant struggle. And one of the best things I eventually learned about was that there are um, support groups out there. Right. Who are comprised of other victims of family violence. Now, before I knew about these, I yeah. just felt completely traumatised and shocked at what I had experienced. So when I started reaching out and finding other victims of violence who had themselves been through the family law system, you start realising, hang on, this wasn't me, this wasn't me doing something wrong or managing the situation poorly or bad legal advice. This is, this is um, horrific and it's out there and it's happening to many victims of violence. It's almost like you're putting on this conveyor belt that you can't stop and you can see the destruction coming and there's nothing you can really do to stop it. The destruction to your feeling of self-worth, is that what we're talking about? Your feeling of self-worth, yep. your right to live in safety and without fear, mm -hmm. your right to um, protect your children, mm -hmm. all of that is taken away from you. And so you joined a support group and that's been an ongoing source of support. Absolutely. It has been the greatest source of support. Um, I went, you know, and I say it is a bit of a two-edged sword because on one hand, prior to becoming aware of the supports that are out there, yep. I felt really isolated and alone in my experience. When you become aware that there's an army of women out there and their children suffering because of the family law system, it's kind of validating and, you know, you don't feel so isolated then, but then you feel distressed knowing that so many other people are suffering as well. Yes. So, yeah. I, I picked up uh, 20 bags of um, hampers for women who fled violence today and I'm delivering them to a refuge tomorrow. Oh, um, and it was horrifying really to see the 2,000 bags that have been packed for uh, women who are fleeing domestic violence, you know, yeah. and that's in Victoria, just Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Is that impact? Was that impact? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I often participate with helping putting them together. I didn't get to this year. I had a bit going on, but um, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, so were there things that were not helpful in um, seeking support, you know? Uh, where did you start? You know, your, your marriage came apart under violent circumstances. Mm. So... Where did you go from that point? So prior to leaving, I started reaching out and I started making contact with a lot of the organisations that are recommended, 1-800-RESPECT, uh, yep. Safe Steps. Um, and it was really hard because the abuse I experienced was only psychological abuse. And trying to explain what happened was really complicated when it's not physical because I couldn't just simply hold up a, a picture of me with bruises, yeah? And so initially I reached out to these organisations who were wonderful. Um, I would try and explain a situation and they educated me, really. 
I didn't even know what I was experiencing was family violence. I just thought I knew it wasn't right what was going on Mm. Um, and I knew I was dreadfully unhappy. Um, I was scared of him Mm. and I didn't know how I was going to safely remove myself from the situation. So they certainly gave me the language. I'd spend five minutes explaining this scenario of what he'd done and then they'd go, oh, that's gaslighting or that's um, blaming or projecting or and all this language that suddenly these words that I had never heard or really paid attention to before suddenly made sense. Mm. So then I started navig- navigating myself out of it. I thought, okay. Were well, they via phone lines or going to one-on-one meetings? Or- uh, mostly by phone lines at that stage, yeah. Yep. I, had, I found it really difficult at that stage to attend meetings because he was tracking my movements and I would have to explain where I was and who I was with and what I was doing. So getting out was an issue. Yes. Um, when, then I started realising I needed support. So I needed to let my family and friends know. As helpful, you know, as obviously I did have a good supportive family, um, it became a problem for them. It scares them. Um, some friends were unhelpful. They, they uh, use a lot of comments that are considered to be toxic positivity. So they'll say to you, uh, it's your destiny. One, one friend said, you've just got to follow your destiny. And then others are, you know, things happen for a reason. But aren't you, you know, you wouldn't have your kids if you hadn't been in that relationship. Those sort of comments are not at all helpful. Or, you know, the the classic, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm. That's probably one of the worst I hear. Mm. Um, You know, I was quite happy with who I was and I don't need to be made to be stronger and certainly not via an abusive process. Um, so, yeah, they were probably the unhelpful things. And I started reala- realising over time, um, yeah, your people suffer vicariously through your trauma. And that's where networking with other victims of violence has been my greatest source of healing and help because they get it at a level that other people don't. Mm. You know, unfortunately, it's lived experience in this space matters a lot. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And then you some somewhere along the line needed to go through the family court process. Mm. And that I'm hearing added a, another layer of toxicity, really. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us about that? I echo, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Hetty Johnson. Yeah, uh, from Braveheart. So yeah. she um, came out a few years ago, and I've just loved her line. She she just came out and said the family court system is the most dangerous institution for victims of family violence and their children, or words to that effect. Um, you know, we've got to be realistic here. Uh, judges, there's patriarchy underlining so many systems in our society, and patriarchy is gender inequality. Yes. Um, you know, Even though apparently these days there's something like 50% judges mm, are female, mm. that's not changing the way things are happening at the moment. It's not. And there's an interesting, um, uh, I was reading a, an article on um, women in power and it said there are women who, who use their proximity to power and white privilege to do harm. 
at worst or at best stay silent. They deny gender inequality and sexism exist. They look for excuses to look the other way and they often seek to punish other women who try to speak out to expose it or try to hold to account the structures that enable it. These women are co complicit in human rights abuses. They are complicit in ensuring patriarchy continues to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's right. Sometimes women are the worst, to be honest. Um, you know, I look at the average age of a judge and I go, they are of a generation where women and children were their chattels. They owned their wives and children. Now, the laws, I think, changed. Um, 1975. Yeah, a long time yeah. ago. But I, I can tell you now the family law system still operates as if men own women and children and have rights to them. That's certainly been my lived experience. Um, but, yeah, um, apart from that, the family law system has double standards for men and women. The standard for parenting for a man basically involves you've just got to return the child alive really, and then you're the most amazing father, the parenting standard for women is up there. And if they drop a ball, they risk losing their children. There's also double binds, you know, the double bind of if you don't leave him, you're exposing your child to family violence. And then once you do leave him and you want to protect the children from family violence, now you're an alienator. There's constantly these double binds that you've got to navigate. Yeah, extraordinarily difficult. Mm, extraordinarily it is very difficult. difficult. Yeah. yeah, and um, I'm hearing you saying that the journey is still ongoing. So, yeah. why is that? Why does it take so long? Yeah. Well, basically, there's no recognition that a family violence perpetrator is an unfit or unsafe parent. It literally. It's interesting. I was just in a um. A, workshop recently where we were talking about this it needs to be recognized that committing family violence is a poor parenting choice yes but that's not recognized not at all um family violence in the family courts is minimized and completely dismissed and um you know perpetrators will get access to children that then puts you in a situation where you are tied to the perpetrator who then will use systems, whether it be medical, police, schools, um, they will use those systems to continue the perpetration of violence, which keeps you navigating your safety on various levels. Um, you know, the reality is it's impossible to co-parent with someone who is abusive and who is out, whose fo sole focus is to have control and power over who hasn't let go who hasn't let go yeah and literally the children are their only means to keep doing what they're doing mm. but those ties are not cut so you've got to just keep navigating your safety your children's safety yeah so have you been able to find a space that you can live with at the moment for you and your children, you know, an emotional space in terms of the day-to-day -day of your lives? Yeah. Um, so the answer, the short answer is yes, obviously. You have to find a way which can be, and I'm not saying this is easy to do, where sometimes you just have to try to compart, 
compartmentalize your life. Mm. So if something's going on, you go, okay, I have to deal with this now. But, you know, in 30 minutes, I'm going to pick up the kids from school. So then we're going to put it away and we're not going to give it any more time today. And you've literally, it's, it's very hard to do, but you kind of have to make a conscious decision yep. to do that. Otherwise, it will niggle at you. Um, some of the ways I do that is sometimes is just, um, again, ringing one of my supports or, or chatting online with a, a fellow victim. Again, yep. they're, they're, they're my grace. And I'll just say, this is what's going on. This has just happened. Um, sometimes due to their experience, they might be ahead of you um, or had a similar experience years ago and they say, this, do this or do that. They can give you advice. You get to just talk about it, release it, and then that certainly makes it easier to shelve it. Yep. Um, you know, and then all the, all the obvious things I think are really important, like getting a good night's sleep mm. um, and eating well, exercising in some form um, or whatever it might, you know, some, for some people it may not be exercising. Some people might be doing, I don't know, cross stitch or something. Do take time out for yourself mm-hmm. just to do things that you enjoy. Yeah. 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 Fantastic advice. Uh, can you talk about yeah. the advocacy work that you're doing at the moment? Mm. So, one of the things that the trauma brought to me from navigating the family law system is that I never want my daughters to have to navigate this or anybody else's daughter. So um, I do everything I can to um, speak out as I am today. Um, I, you know, one of the biggest things that um, shocked me was that I didn't know it was this bad I didn't see this coming so I think the more prepared that women are that if you know if you're going to get dragged through this family law these family law courts it doesn't hit you as hard because you're prepared Mm. Um, and you know hopefully get in touch with some supports before that process starts um like, like the ones that you were talking about, one eight hundred respect and safety yes. for women. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Any others you'd highlight? Um, there are. Look, I, I can't highlight any in particular because there are different ones in different regions. Yeah. Online, to be honest, online is probably one of the best places to go. There are secret groups, so they're not easy to get into. You need to. Um. I've gradually over time built up those networks, but often to get into these pages, you need to actually know somebody in person so that they can verify who you are. Yep. Um, one of the things these groups are very cautious of is a perpetrator getting access mm. and posing as a victim. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, having those supports in place sooner rather than later is great. And the benefit of the online groups is that there's almost someone available 24 seven in some, one of the groups, I mean, it's pretty much a worldwide one. So there's always someone awake in some part of the world. Um, so when something really distressing is happen, happening, you can reach out at all sorts, you know, times yeah. of day or night. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, um, what outcomes would you like to see from a Royal Commission into the family law system and all the interconnected systems? An improvement. I'd like to see our statistics drop and women not dying and, and family violence uh, cases reducing instead of increasing. 
Um, you know, I'm am realistic. I have it's been pointed out to me many times that royal a royal commission is not going to change anything. I'd like to remain more hopeful, though. Um, I think at a minimum it will give people um, an opportunity to safely speak out to reveal the realities of what is going on because that court operates in secrecy. Yes. Yeah. So it will give people an opportunity to really tell it like it is. And I, I would love, you know, I live in hope that that would generate change. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. What advice would you give someone who has been through or is about to go through the family law system? Oh, don't. <laughs> but I recognise I think it's on the Women's Legal Service page that at least 70% of cases involve domestic violence. So, and it's commonly perpetrators who start proceedings. And you often don't have a choice. It's, it's you know, not as simple as saying don't. Yep. Um, if you do, um, if I could go back in time, I wish I had the strength and the knowledge to represent myself don't use family law lawyers, okay? Well, you ask three lawyers a question, you'll get four different answers. Mm. The process for private lawyers um, to become family law accredited, my understanding is it's something like a multiple, cho multiple choice tick box system. That is no way to understand family violence and coercive control. No. Wow. I was actually just part of a webinar the other day where they identified that um, Victorian legal aid lawyers get an enormous amount of family violence training and they, they're very good. But your privately practising lawyers who charge an arm and a leg and will help the perpetrator to basically financially destroy you are really poor. They're very good salesmen, though. They can really talk themselves up. Bring in the money. Um, yeah. I would like to actually see in future a system where people are supported through better programs out there in managing their own case because the fact is every case is unique mm. often has a long history that only the woman can really know and remember yeah um and she women often doubt themselves but they often are the best person to manage their case they just need some understanding with the legal processes the right forms to fill in and that sort of thing um yeah if you can Represent yourself, do that. And, you are um, a very articulate woman. Um, what would you say to women from backgrounds where English is not their first language in yeah, that situation? That is a real barrier, barrier. And again, something that was raised in the webinars just in, uh, it was an Anne Rose report, actually. You can look it up to do with self represented litigants in family law. It's just been released on Friday. And that is a huge barrier. Um, for women like that, the Women's Legal Service are a good starting point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they are, there, there needs to be specialist services to support women from the called backgrounds, yeah. And just coming towards the end of this interview, uh, you've been through a long, tumultuous journey. Uh, you feel that you've moved forward from where you were, say, eight years ago, mm -hmm. that you, you, you have, despite the horrendous pain, you have made a progress towards greater equanimity for you and, and your children? Yeah, I, I definitely have. 
um, not as much as I would like to have had. Right. Um, it's, I, I feel like there's this noose around my neck that keeps yanking me back, you know. You try to keep going forward, get on with your life, create a new life, um, but the constant systems and legal abuse that I have to endure slows me down. And I could be a much more productive member of society if I was completely free of the systems and legal abuse. But again, hopefully with time and, you know, things are slowly changing and improving um, in the last few years, hopefully that will just, that momentum will just continue. And, you know, obviously it will eventually get to the point where my youngest is 18 and hopefully then that will make things a lot easier. Yeah. And just um, you talked about how important the uh, self-help movement was. So talking with lived experience people, have, what would you say, have you had any contact with professional psychologists or people who are skilled and trained in that way and have, have they been of any use to you? Um, early on, definitely, yeah. And yeah. occasionally every now and then I'll, I'll, I will revisit a counsellor or something. Yep. Um, but you've got, again, that's a, another area to navigate because, again, they're not all properly trauma-informed. Yes. So I, I guess my advice there to other women who are about to embark on this process is one of the things you want to look for is, is their understanding of family violence and coercive control as well as are they trauma-informed, which many of them are not. And that's where sometimes professionals can, you know, do more harm than good, again, with that toxic positivity of, you know, but you're out now, it's all good. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, but certainly at times, yeah, seeing a professional has been very helpful. Helpful. Yeah. Good. Okay. Fantastic, Ruth. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank um, you so much for having me. Thanks, Ruth, for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge and insight with our listeners. And a big thank you to Terry for organising and conducting today's interview. If anything you heard in today's show has caused any distress, please know that you can contact Lifeline on 131114. Um, I hope that everyone has found something in today's show um, that has been beneficial to them. And as usual, you can find more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, or on Spotify or where you download your 3CR podcasts. If you have a story to share or if you would like to send us some feedback or suggestions for future shows, um, you can email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please stay safe and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.